Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am so excited to be joined once again by my friend, Chris Kiewicz, the Executive Director of the Charities Review Council. Chris, thank you one more time for taking the time to do this today. I am so excited to be back in conversation with you, Steve. Um, for folks that are keeping score, you have joined a very uh, exclusive club of just a few people that have been back not once, but tw- uh, this is your third time uh, now on the podcast over the years. Um, first time, as I looked at my records, was back in 2015. And then we talked again in 2019 about the merger of this candid thing. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But before we do, could you just uh, um, take a moment and tell people a little bit more about Charities Review Council and the work that you do there? I would love to, Steve. Charities Review Council is a nonprofit organization celebrating 75 years this year. We work and support the relationship between donors and nonprofits. We build relationships so communities can be strong, uh, just, and making uh, lives good every day. Um, We do that by using our accountability standards and reviewing nonprofits against them. They then meet our standards, get a seal that communicates strength, transparency, and accountability to donors. And we touch about $3.5 billion of annual operating expense for over 700 nonprofits, both locally, so the majority are in the Midwest region, with about 8% national reach. So that accountability wizard process and, and whatnot is something that you've had available for a long time now to help charities think through how do they talk about uh, being accountable to their own communities, both in terms of how do they use money and, and resources from community to support their work, but also what are those outcomes and what do they look like? Uh, and we'll we'll probably touch on this again at the end of the recording, but just a, a quick reminder for folks that are interested in helping their charities use that tool to be better in touch, better uh, um, communicators about their work. How do they get started with that accountability wizard work with you? Thanks, Steve. It's really quite simple. Our web- is smartgivers.org. So any nonprofit organization can elect to go through our review process. It is an iterative um, educational process for nonprofit organizations. They just go online, start an account, and then we partner with organizations to help them meet standards through our custom software that we use that um, allows us to communicate and share resources and access Uh, information that nonprofits provide us so that we vet that and work with them ultimately to meet those standards. And so the standards are around public disclosure, governance, finance, and fundraising. So those things that uh, nonprofits can share uh, how they do that work um, in their organizations and um, that donors are usually interested in knowing prior to giving to those organizations. So we're a shortcut for donors and a capacity builder for nonprofits. And this is one of the things why I wanted to speak with you today is you've been doing this work uh, for about 10 years. You were just telling me ahead of recording that you've been with the council for already that long or soon to be that long? Soon to be. Soon to July be 12th, I think, is my Very anniversary. Soon. So. Um, so seeing some uh, changes in our support systems for charities and donors uh, in our community in that time, 
One of those changes being uh, that GuideStar and the Foundation Center, Foundation Directory Online uh, merged into a single entity that took the new name Candid a few years ago. And we had a chance to talk about that uh, on the podcast then. But what asked me to get you or got, prompted me to get you to come back for another conversation is uh, a recent press announcement that we saw that uh, Mackenzie Scott has made an investment in that candid entity uh, for, I believe, it was roughly $15 million, uh, you know, a pretty important and meaningful gift. But I think really interesting to talk about it in the context of this is the first one I'm aware of from Scott, where she's investing in something that's more of a uh, a support system for donors and nonprofits rather than a direct service organization. Uh, here in the Twin Cities, where we're both based, we've seen some really amazing gifts to Habitat for Humanity's uh, Twin Cities operation for Clues, uh, for other folks that are based, uh, Boys and Girls Clubs, um, the YMCA, or I think it was the YMCA. Well, one of the whys, um, folks that, that provide direct service in community, we've been seeing those kinds of very important gifts. She's been making those gifts as uh, general operating support, not restricted towards program or any specific use. Um, and it's been very interesting to see the choices. But as far as I know, this may be the first one that I've heard about anyway, that the gift is going to an organization whose mission is to support charities and donors and not necessarily to accomplish a specific nonprofit mission within you know, a service framework, right? Right. We're not usually as a similar organization in that we support, I always say we don't make food, we just make food taste better right. in the nonprofit sector. And so um, similarly, Candid as an organization doesn't, like you said, provide that direct service. And so oftentimes we aren't a fit in traditional giving portfolios, either for foundations, companies companies, individual donors. Sometimes I say we we are a for a sophisticated palette that uh, takes the time to understand the impact that we have across the sector versus uh, on direct individual lives. So um, most organizations uh, that are engaged in work with say um, Candid and or the council, especially the council and our capacity building work, we help them do their work better. And then we help donors be able to find organizations that have, have uh, a, a solid foundation on which they've built their operations so that they can focus on mission and impact. And so, um, so it's, it's really fascinating to see this unique gift to kind of this uh, organization that isn't that direct service provider. And honestly, Steve, at the level of support that was provided is really right. impressive. Well, I, everything that Mackenzie Scott is doing is is at this level of, oh my gosh, that's a lot. Uh, and then you look at the total amount of resource that she's committed to um, putting into work in community within her lifetime. Uh, and she and her team are clearly working very hard to uh, think through how are they going to give that away, but they are giving at a scale um, that dwarfs what's happening with, I, I'm going to say every foundation, I can't think of any foundation that has given away this many billions of dollars in the same period of time that this one individual has. So it is really changing the thinking of what's the size of a gift that one might give to something like a candid or whatever, because, you know, sure, maybe they got a $100,000 from Ford, or maybe they got a quarter of a million dollars from MacArthur or somebody like that. Um, but 15 million of unrestricted in a single year just seems to me kind of unprecedented. 
It really is. And honestly, an amazing problem to try and solve. The only <laughs> thing I can I can think of uh, that reminds me of this influx of cash was the ice bucket challenge all oh, those sure. moons ago, right? So where an organization all of a sudden had funding that and probably no plans with which to guide them on how to spend those dollars and use those resources. So um, certainly it it is a challenge for an organization to get that sizable of a gift and figure out how to use those dollars effectively and also be able to still communicate the need that they have for ongoing fundraising, right? So sometimes yes. someone might see something like that and a donor might say, oh, they don't need our money anymore. I'm going to go somewhere where it's more needed, right? So um, so it is. it, it certainly provides... Uh, challenges for organizations that get a gift of that that scale and scope yeah so let's back up a little bit and, and talk about what we do know um, has happened with candid since the merger in the last few years because uh, we haven't had a chance to sit down and chat about that we were just joking ahead of recording we just don't, haven't seen each other in a long time uh, we just you know through this pandemic um, moment but um, as you think about those services and what we may have assumed or thought might happen since that merger happened, uh, do you have any early observations of you know, um, what, what the merger has kind of come to other than maybe the big leadership change that was just announced this, uh, for this year? You know, I honestly, in my day-to-day -day operations, there hasn't been much change yeah. for us as a small nonprofit that uh, serves more of a regional scope. Uh, we are a platinum. Uh, we hold the platinum seal. Uh, we, we provide information to them to make sure that any donors who are looking up information on us uh, get all the information that Candid is, uh, provides. I think it will be, what's fascinating now is this push towards trying to make their resources more accessible. And, and will they be able to achieve that, right? So we always talk at the council about um, pushing in and being pulled. And mm. so is the information that they have, um, especially, you know, their intent is to provide information to donors. Uh, how are they getting donors to access their information? And are, are they uh, trying to push into uh, donor communities and, and um, geography? or are they being pulled into uh, those spaces? And so how do you get folks to use what you've got? And so they're with, and I think based on what we've seen so far from this, this gift is that um, they're really looking at um, how to the interaction that they have both with nonprofits and donors and improving that, especially through um, from a technology perspective. Yeah, I I will echo what you're observing so far, which is that, you know, as somebody who does still use uh, more the GuideStar type services than the foundation directory or the foundation center's services, uh, although there are plenty of, of those too, uh, the experience hasn't really changed or, or, you know, become anything different in the last few years. It really functions very much the same way uh, that it did when they announced the merger, as far as I'm concerned, down to the point where the URL still says GuideStar when I go to it. It's got GuideStar by Candy right. um, on it. But I kind of assumed over a period of a few years, they might 
do more of a, hey, we're, you know, the same thing as the foundation center now, and we've got all these things together, and we're going to kind of pull you into one coordinated experience or something. And that just hasn't happened yet. And I haven't really tried to follow up on, are there plans? Is there communication? Um, They do have my email. I do get a newsletter from them, but I haven't really felt like because of this merger, there's now this different set of services or different things that I have um, somehow experienced differently. I still use the services that they do have, um, but it hasn't to me from the outside looked a lot different. So hasn't uh, felt different as, as a, a nonprofit organization. And I would say too, that uh, I still put like when I need there's what they've got, I tend to start with GuideStar and then head yeah. toward Candid. So it will be fascinating to see under new leadership. Uh, the previous leaders were the combined leaders from the merged organizations. So it will be interesting to see uh, where the new leadership takes the organization, both uh, programmatically and I'm sure culturally, uh, towards uh, the new whole entity versus the sum of the parts. Right. Uh, but I, I think that's interesting to observe this many years later that there was something that Mackenzie Scott and presumably other investors, I mean, I, we keep talking about her because the scale at which she's operating is just so unprecedented. Um, I, I double checked that um, nonprofit times articles were talking that um, they are attributing that she has made over $12.4 billion in publicly announced gifts may have been some others uh, in two years since January or since 2020 into 2022. billion uh, has been committed to different charities. And I I just can't think of anything of that scale anywhere. So she's setting a conversation, uh, whether she's intending to or not. And I find this very interesting here that because she has really decided and, and made this announcement in a blog post that she's not going to try to speak of, here's why I made these decisions. Let's talk about me and my decision-making process, but rather I've made a gift. I'll let the charity speak to it and steps back and lets those organizations she's supporting talk. And she doesn't tend to make big public statements around why this decision versus that one. Um, so as we look at the reporting about this, we do see the, the new candid CEO uh, talking about about this gift, um, and pardon me, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this name correctly. Uh, and Mai Chang, Mei Chang, I'm not sure about the middle name, um, is the new CEO that's uh, taken over the, the combined entity just recently. Um, so she's got some quotes. She talks about what she's seeing in um, this giving, but we don't really know from Scott's perspective. You know, why are you choosing to invest in this infrastructure entity that does these other things? And will that bring in some attention to other larger donors to go, hey, this kind of groundbreaking leader here is uh, thinking about these important issues. Are you? Is this something that you're considering large donor X or or foundation Y? Um, And do you think that might help open the door to conversations you want to have with people that could be supporting other institutions like yours? Well, and when you think about the U.S. social sector as a whole, and you think about the um, annual revenue from U.S. nonprofits, and you think about the numbers of employees, um, it's a 
big sector in our world that kind of gets set aside, set to the side a little bit um, to the business sector. And so there's uh, a lot of the, what happens in our world, the lot, a lot of the money um, that changes hands in our world happens through the social sector. So yeah. it is interesting for this Mackenzie Scott gift to think about that as a um, kind of pulling up to the 100,000 foot level. So a lot yeah. of donors are thinking about their own local community and making a difference locally and sometimes on a national issue, but not really always thinking about this as a sector as a whole. And so it, I would love for there to be more attention for the organizations who help nonprofits do their work better. And, and maybe this opens that conversation a little bit more, although it's also possible that because she's made such substantial gifts in all these other areas that um, the the impact of this may be a little diluted because it's happening in a, a larger context. Nevertheless, I, I do think that looking at what they've intended to accomplish as a merged entity and what I, I assume, again, never being in the room, that there was a conversation at some point between some folks that represent Mackenzie Scott, if not she herself, and some folks at Canva saying, we're considering this gift. Here's how we think we're going to do this. And there might have been some level of that, but I don't know that it it necessarily came in with saying, well, we want to invest in making more of our services more accessible to smaller nonprofits, but you know that that revenue needs to be replaced. And therefore, if you give us a general operating grant, we can open up the doors to this level of service or something. I'm assuming it wasn't that transactional, but I honestly don't know. And, and I think that's challenging to see what it's going to mean for the rest of the sector when, when those kinds of gifts happen and we're just not sure about was there that kind of thinking or is it something else? Well, and you know, it, it begs the question from for donors giving general operating support versus programmatic support, right? And so or programmer projects. So there's there can be so many restrictions yeah. tied to programmer project support. And this type of funding, whether at a smaller scale or a McKenzie Scott scale, really allows organizations to think about transformation where a lot of restrictions on funding limit organizations and their ability to be flexible, to be nimble, to be responsive. A lot of organizations, honestly, Steve, were so caught off guard by COVID and didn't have the flexible capital to be able to yeah. respond in a way that allowed them, you know, it's for some organizations, they had to continue their direct service, but they had to completely change how they did their work. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and additional new expenses and all these kinds of things. No one, no one could have imagined in 2019 when we spoke last that our world would be so different today than it was then. And so, and all of those transformations. And so it is, it is um, the ability to have unrestricted gifts is so meaningful for nonprofits and, and allows nonprofits to really be responsive to the immediate needs of what's going on in their communities. Mm -hmm. And and we've seen that with any kind of giving from Scott, but whether that will then 
kind of permeate to other large scale donors to have them start thinking more about that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, th there certainly have been others that have made more meaningful, less restrictive gifts. And I, I'm not going to say that everything has been very program restricted in the past, but an awful lot um, of those things have been. And I, I think it's interesting to go, okay, if, if we've decided together that the nonprofit sector, the donors that support it, they need this kind of uh, infrastructure in place to um, make all of our food taste better, um, good. If they're going to get that kind of resource, how have they been utilizing it? What what are we going to be you know enjoying? Um, and that, I guess, question stopped me for a moment as I looked at this to say, if, if Foundation Directory Online, um, Foundation Center, GuideStar all feel kind of fundamentally similar to me, um, good that there's investment in the sector, but what is that um, change look like? What are, what are we hoping to make different? This article says that they are now considering some additional services that were revenue dependent before that maybe they could not uh, or, or that they didn't offer uh, to some of their folks. And so it says here that any uh, nonprofit with a budget of under a million dollars that has earned a gold seal will now be able to access um, an essentials level of the foundation directory, for example, and that they that apparently had not been available at that level without cost before. So there's some immediate um, here's what we could do when, when people make investments kind of thinking. Um, but how do you, you know, imagine them thinking about going forward or what do you see in this article that, that talks about what they do differently now that they've seen this commitment? Well, I mean, I think honestly, Steve, you touched on it, right? So you go to, um, guidestar.org, you can go to candid.org. You, they have all of these as a, an organization, that has been merged, they still have all of their resources existing somewhat siloed from their mm -hmm. previous entities. And so it will be, you know, they've, it says they're dedicating 9 million to building a new technology platform to integrate all of those things. So that will be really, I think there might, it will take some time. So as a, a small nonprofit that invests in technology on a regular basis, technology is expensive. And yeah. so um, it's fantastic that they have that kind of scale of uh, capital to be able to invest in that and make that um, come together uh, so that you don't have to go to disparate places to understand what their impact is. So I think it is, you know, we spend so much money trying to raise money and to have that kind of a gift to be able to do that really core infrastructure work for the organization without having to um, fundraise and try and take it from your operating capital, right? To be able mm -hmm. to have that, that capital that they can then just in, invest in that kind of a, a systems. Most, most donors would rather see, again, that direct service. Um, you know, they want to, they, and justifiably so, right? They want hungry people fed. They want mm -hmm. people to have roofs over their heads. They want kids to be able to read all kinds of things, you know? So, um, but this, I'm excited even as a small, less than million dollar nonprofit to think about accessing uh, the resources from um, their foundation directory, mm -hmm. right? So, and that's something we've never made an investment in, of course, right? So um, it will be, 
so there's so that near term, but I think longer term, we'll start to see some of that as maybe they'll have a brand new uh, domain name, right? That will yeah. encompass everything. And then it, it because right now it still is really, you have to know what each of them did and then find what each of them did versus trying to, to have a one place to, to do that. So, but it is a really significant investment. But when yeah. you, as you consider the amount of money that Mackenzie Scott is giving away, it is a drop in the bucket of money that she's providing out in communities to, to uh, help improve them. Yeah, as a percentage of 12 something billion dollars, 15 million, right, it is not, you know, that big of a deal. Uh, it is, of course, still a very meaningful amount of money and and really interesting. So I, I, I do want to think a little bit about what Candid is thinking about themselves and how they talk about themselves in such a way that maybe encourages that kind of investment. And I went to their um, annual report that they posted on their uh, Candid webpage, right? That they, um, you know, as mm-hmm. a, you know, trying to uh, eat their own dog food, as, as we say, they, um, they have their 990 report on uh, their GuideStar page. They have their annual report available. Their annual report, however, to me, um, isn't really um, communicating, here's the value of this new merged organization in this way. There's a lot of good information in there and everybody should go look at it and understand it and read through. Um, there's some talk about their diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. There's some talk about the impact on the sector more generally, but I, I don't yet see a very clear, because we merged, here's these different things that are happening and here's how we're going from their own communications. It's not that it isn't happening, but maybe they're not seeing that as the critical value proposition to communicate in something like an annual report. Um, And as somebody who used to use the foundation directory online, I I recently uh, left and I have a podcast about instrumental as a tool that I find just works so much better. Uh, than, I, okay. than I thought this well, I'm looking tool. forward to that podcast. I haven't, I haven't listened yeah. to that one. I'm writing uh, well, it down. Right. So we can dive into, do other folks take that same data that they have available and crack the nut better with fewer millions of dollars in IT consulting services? You know, is, is there a different way to do it? I don't know yet what they're planning to do. And so we don't know. I know under the current system, there are folks, I, I, in my opinion anyway, that have found a better way to present at least that part of the information. Um, and that's interesting to me to look at um, what do they invest in this? Because $15 million, again, seems like a lot of money. But as I look at their 990 and look at their independent contractor compensation, um, they've, they had to list everybody that's more than $100,000 of non-employee compensation. And there's roughly, you know, four, well, not quite four, yeah, roughly $4 million, a little more, four and a half um, of money going out in IT consulting before the Scott gift. Uh, not their internal staff, not their own IT people, but consulting staff, millions of dollars every year uh, in that kind of service with their existing business model, because they're not a small nonprofit. These folks uh, at one point were 49 million, apparently after the pandemic year, they they shrank back down some, which happened to a lot of folks, but they shrank back back down to 42 roughly million dollars. So a $15 million gift is a lot of money in, in anybody's ball game. But it is, I think, interesting to contextualize it in the, um, the scale of 
what does a $42 million a year organization do when they get that kind of an investment versus what does a you know, $10 million a year organization do if they get $15 million? It's a very different opportunity to change services and think about reaching people. It is. So when you think about, so, you know, they, they said they're going to put 9 million into their technology, their new technology platform. That's just a two year spend. Right. right. So when you think about that, that way, you're like 9 million is a, a whole lot of money. I will say as a nonprofit whose programming is delivered through custom proprietary software, that uh, it's expensive to mm-hmm. do, to have software and be reliable and to be um, always continuously improving that software. So I, I look at that number and I don't blink so much, Steve. Um, I, you know, and I would say that as an organization who has chosen to outsource that support, um, it is much more the cost benefit analysis to going external to contractors is Mm -hmm. much more cost effective uh, for what you get. Yeah. Right. So, so I can see why the decisions were made to, to, to go that route and to be able to spend that kind of money. Um, yeah, it is. It is fascinating that the you know, I just think about what would a um, a grant of that scale mean for a ten million dollar organization, and or if it were to double or triple someone's budget, and what would you do with that? You right. know, and our strategic planning conversations. You know, hopefully organizations are doing some blue sky thinking, and you know, if we got five million dollars, what would we do? Right. Mm-hmm. Um. And that helps you think outside of the box of just continuing on what you've always done. And so I think that that is, that is an interesting thing that Mackenzie Scott has done for all these organizations where she's given these large gifts is to, to give them a chance to dream big and make um, big change happen. And I uh, certainly do not want anybody to um, construe my comments about this as like her decision should have been different because of X, Y, or Z. I'm just thrilled that she's out yeah. there putting the money to work and, and getting investments in the community. I think that's fantastic. I do yeah. want to understand the context in which you know this particular gift hits because it is sort of an outlier from some of the other things she's done so far. And maybe... Um, it is a first as she looks towards that idea of I've invested in direct service so far, and um, we want a healthier nonprofit sector in general that includes donors, that includes uh, transparency. I'm going to start investing in places where that can make a difference. And good. I, I think that that idea of uh, unrestricted gifts is really important, and I wholeheartedly endorse it. I, I think seeing her come to the table and make this investment and seeing these articles in more trade publications that that you and I might see and not necessarily your average donor is going to run into. You know, if it, you, you get mm-hmm. a gift to the um, Boys and Girls Clubs and it, it hits the newspaper in the cities where the Boys and Girls Clubs got the gift, and it's a big newspaper story and people talk about the value of the services that those charities offer. And that's great. But this kind of investment doesn't really hit the hometown paper in the same way. It really kind of hits the trade publications for those of us that live in those things. And it doesn't necessarily hit the the smaller, you know, average donor out there that's that's making their gifts where they go, oh, wow, it's important to start thinking about infrastructure. 
But I do hope that it will be something that might get into more foundations, more uh, donor advised uh, services areas, those kinds of places to say, this is really valuable. And this is an opportunity to make an impact. Uh, this is, of course, only one organization that does this kind of work. There's lots of other ways to invest in a good, healthy sector. But here's one gift that shows somebody's really decided that this is worth doing. And how, because with Charities Review Council, we always, I would love to have a data point, Steve, that said, because someone has good governance, here's the their greater impact as an mm. organization, right. right? And so that that's why I always say it's putting a spotlight on funding infrastructure is so important, both for individual organizations and then more broadly for the sector as a whole. So I, to your point, applaud Mackenzie Scott for taking a look and, and would welcome if there were other infrastructure organizations who were able to receive that kind of support because, um, as, as part of the sector, we're, we're so crucial and key to how well it functions, and yet uh, not always the first on the list uh, to be considered when there's uh, discretionary funds to be given away. Right. Yeah. So uh, recognizing we, we've got a little bit more than five minutes uh, left, are there things that you would hope come out of uh, this, this gift that aren't necessarily like, well, here's changes at Candid, but just bigger ripples or, or opportunities for us to discuss and learn from this that we should maybe keep sharing with our friends and neighbors as we think about this. I think it would be great for um, us to continue to put a spotlight on what changes we're seeing with a gift like the one that Mackenzie Scott gave to Candid that, um, that we it, keep an eye on how their candidates uh, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion shows up and how they're serving and supporting the sector to make sure that what they're doing become, it continues to be accessible to all donors and all nonprofits, right? So um, thinking about what resources can they provide at, at low or no cost uh, and to whom would they, they provide that. I think it is, uh, it's just fascinating. You know, I've been in mm -hmm. this work for over 25 years now in the, in the philanthropic sector, which I, I kind of want to like push my mouth, a hand over my mouth when I say <laughs> how many years it's been. Um, but I think about that and I think about how um, general operating support, you know, we trended away from that from 25 years ago, that was the kind of gift that people made. And then it was, you know, now we've kind of this pendulum that swung toward um, pro program and project. And I'd like to think that with this um, Mackenzie Scott's giving as a whole, that there are donors who are willing to be in relationship with nonprofits and be willing to give more significant gifts because the amount of time it takes to fundraise small gifts, it would be so advantageous for a lot of nonprofits to um, whether they have multi-year support or um, larger, um, uh, you know, uh, like once every three years you get, you know, 
if rather than having to reapply on an annual basis yeah. for funding and those kinds of things, there are lots of ways that donors can rethink how they support the causes they care about. And I think the biggest thing is, and what we don't know is how Mackenzie Scott is choosing the organizations and causes right. to support that she's given to. So, but as Charities Review Council, I would say, you know, think about those causes and organizations you care about and pick a couple and go deep and get to know them and, uh, you know, give your time, talent, and treasure and be willing to uh, give at a level that, um, you know, have, you know, what a fun conversation uh, for a donor to ask a nonprofit, uh, what, what would be a transformational gift for your organization and what would you do with it? Yeah, I, I think the more donors start seeing that, uh, and, and honestly, there's, we've had a long conversation, not just about this gift, but in the sector as a whole about this idea of community-centric fundraising, donor-centric fundraising, what do those words mean? Um, mm-hmm. But here's a donor who um, could very easily say, you know, I have some ideas. I think you should pursue this tactic and I'm willing to put $15 million behind it or whatever. Um, but instead of even having the press release saying, here's what I really love about Candid, steps away and says, the investment speaks for itself. Let the organization talk about what they're doing. And um, they get to come in and say, here's what a transformational gift will mean for us. Um, here's why we get to think bigger uh, about what we're doing. Uh, I think that's a, a great opportunity for all of us to point that direction out to others that are considering how they make their gifts and think, um, you know, maybe this is the opportunity to center the work and and the the impact more than, you know, this particular gift is restricted for this particular purpose only kind of thinking. Yeah. So really looking at relationship versus transaction, mm. right? So um you know, when you're thinking about transactional giving, it's how many meals did I, was I able to provide, right? Versus thinking about how, what does it mean for this organization to have this funding and how do they do that and, and the ways in which they accomplish it. So it's, it's a both end, it's both the impact of it, but it's also the, the, how they do their work and how they're able to show up both, you know, one of the things in the article, uh, Steve was that they were able to give staff bonuses over the last couple of years, uh, you know, that they chose to use some of those resources to, to, to recognize employees. And, you know, you think about in our sector that there are a lot of folks who are underpaid and the ability, Mm -hmm. um, to have that flexibility to change, even your staff people's lives through compensation and, and wages and things like that, you know, it's, it is, um, and those things can be transformational, both because it changes the employee's life and what, how they're able to live their life, but then how they show up when they come to work and their ability, um, and their pride and their, um, you know, the, the way that they are committed to making the difference happen on a daily basis and an interaction by interaction. You know, I'm a huge believer in relationship. It's why it's in our mission statement. Um, Relationships matter. And, um, you know, there's, there's, there are aspects of giving that are very transactional and some of our standards really set are set in that, but some of them, you know, and are important, but really, you know, getting to know the organizations and, and talking about the impact and making sure that there's, 
um, alignment of values and impact is so important in philanthropy because that's where you can make the biggest difference both as a donor and as an organization. Right. I, I think, you know, if we talk one more time about the, the in, one of the many impacts of the COVID-19 crisis is uh, had a lot of those resources been really restricted and challenging to operate, it really would be very difficult for so many folks to try and turn on a dime and go from, well, we used to do an in-person food shelf, but we can't safely do that anymore. Now we have to tr- transition to a delivery model to get people healthy food that they need. Let's start putting money into transportation of the food. And well, wait a right. minute, the, the gift was restricted for only purchasing food. We can't transport it anywhere. And, you know, had there been more restrictions in some of those cases, more difficult for the flexibility of the organizations to really meet the community's needs the way that the community needs them met. And I think that that's a great observation of this idea of, we don't actually know the full story of where Candid is evolving to at this point, even three years later, which it's, you know, not there, they want to invest in a different technology platform, all those things. Um, we're not going to prescribe what that outcome looks like because we know that they're going to have to respond to a changing world. So here's some resources, go change the world. (laughs) And with new leadership, right? Yes. Well, all of those things factor in. So a year from now and two years from now, it will be really fascinating because organizations do take on the, um, the, uh, influence of the, the folks who are leading it, right? And that's yep. why we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion as an important factor and, um, and who's leading organizations and who is that new leadership and what is what does their fresh perspective and voice and um, experience bring to where the organization is going. Right. Which may well have been, who knows what Mackenzie Scott was thinking, but may well have been a portion of this, because I assume that that leadership transition either already happened or was well talked about before this gift was committed, um, that they're moving from, uh, you know, sort of cis white male presenting person, I don't know their their former director's life, but, um, Mm -hmm. but that way to a younger woman of color, LGBTQ community, really different um, energy around, you know, this um, the sector needs to be as reflective and led in these infrastructure organizations as it is in service organizations. And here it is happening. Let's give that some energy. Let's give that some mm-hmm. endorsement. And I think that um, could well have been part of it. But if it wasn't, I think that certainly everything else that they're talking to and committing in bringing that part of the conversation forward um, makes sense. That they do talk about in their uh, uh, annual report. So we'll have that linked in the show notes. Um, I am noting that we have already kind of run out of time, however, so uh, I'm just going to close by thanking Chris Kiewicz, the executive director of the Charities Review Council, for taking time without much notice at all to squeeze in a conversation. (laughs) Chris, thanks again. Always a pleasure, Steve.